Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Schultz, with Witness Security. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. Welcome back, job makers. Hey, we are actually recording. I gotta keep a close eye on this. So, um, Brandon... And the listeners won't know this. There was an episode recorded um, <clears throat> uh, that you guys will never hear because it didn't actually record. Record. Oh, with Brandon. Yeah, he drove down to my place um, early one more uh, early Thanksgiving morning, and we had a one hour, one hour forty five minute, two hour conversation or so. Um, and it wasn't till I was, you know, at afterwards, I went through to make sure that the intro and outro musics were working good and I was going to get ready to upload it. And I ha- it did not record a word of our conversation. Oh no. And, and I don't know why. I mean, my best guess is that it was just a, a glitch or something because I, I, we, I could have sworn that we were seeing the audio input in the soundbar, like, moving. I don't know. Like, I, I was pretty sure that I'd seen it. Brandon was pretty sure that he'd seen the it. And I, so, anyhow. <clears throat> so, you listeners missed out on a conversation, but we'll, we'll, try, a, we'll try to redo, <laughs> redo that sometime at some point or another. But at any rate, <clears throat> things are uh, things are things are continuing to be weird in the country um, because yep. 2020 isn't over yet. Also, um, hunting wise, you uh, you haven't you haven't hunted a, a bit. I know at all. No hunting. No no hunting Gun whatsoever. Season's even gone now, isn't it? Um, not yet. Not till. I think Thursday or something like that. I have to double check. So well, that's like not a happening. day. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, it's over tomorrow. I think they extended because uh, gun, gun season they changed it this year. It's sixteen days. I'm pretty sure it used to be fourteen days. So it's two days longer. And then they also um, made made the bag limits larger for rifle season. However, there is a holiday antlerless firearm season. By the way. And oddly enough, I just noticed this in the regulations, mm-hmm. but the holiday antlerless deer se- uh, firearm season, those deer don't count towards your bag limit, your annual bag limit, your season bag limit. So you can technically harvest more than six deer in a year. Because hmm. your, your overall limit is six. But the uh, holiday antler list. So how how many can you get in the holiday <clears throat> holiday antler list? Let me double check this, which is a pain to double check because the I don't know if you've looked what at the ticks fishing. Ticks me off is a guy or my my chiropractor. He uh, man, it sounds like I am super distant. Does it? Yeah, that's why I thought maybe I didn't have sound. I don't know. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, maybe your headphones were just a little so, bit. <clears throat> anyways, um, I uh, 
see this. My, my chiropractor, he comments, uh, does anybody have a uh, deep freeze that they're wanting to sell? And so I immediately, now this is the first time that he's ever gone hunting uh, since he's been back in Oklahoma. He's been back in Oklahoma for, well, I've been using him as a chiropractor for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he started his chiropractor uh, care, uh, well, I started using him as soon as he opened. And, but he'd been in Oklahoma for about seven, eight months for that time frame. But all the way up until now, he's not had any time to hunt. First time he goes out, he bags himself a deer. A little spike of a deer, but it was still a deer. Firearm season? Yeah. Yeah. I have not had the opportunity. That's the thing about rifle hunting. Three years, well... Last two years that I went hunting, and then this year I haven't even had a chance. See, to that's what blows my mind is that you use a crossbow, so you're effectively rifle hunting for three months out of the year. I mean, there's no, there's really virtually no difference between. I think I possibly could have gotten a pretty good sized buck last year mm-hmm. if I hadn't spooked him. Yeah, uh, he was far enough out uh, that I wasn't comfortable with the shot. And he was chasing a doe, and I could have gotten him if he'd mm-hmm. have been a little bit closer and or if I hadn't have spooked him. See, my thing is this year has been about time. I should have, it, not only about time, but... Well, timing was... Timing was just terrible this year. Everything just did not pan out the way that it should have pan. We're both remodeling houses, and, you know, and I, and I have blinds set up in my backyard, and I don't get to sit them often enough. Not only that, but I've been keeping an eye on my cameras, and the deer have just been in. Well, they're starting to get more consistent to where they're showing back up on my property. So normally the rut is like the time to hunt, right? That's what everyone gets excited about is the rut. Deer were just not showing up on my property at all during the rut. And I think what it was is some does were, you know, heading off somewhere else and the bucks were all chasing them so now bucks have started showing back up on my property and the occasional doe maybe you need to feed them does to where they're coming back on your property yeah well and that's another thing too is that i only just started putting a feeder out you went to start talking you yeah just uh well clicks so i was like Whoa. um i just i just started you know, putting feeders out this year. So I, they'll grow more accustomed to it. And I'm going to start, I don't, I don't think I'm just going to feed, you know, like during deer season, I'm going to put, I'm going to have the feeder well, running according starting to, in the uh, summer. According to hunting websites that I've seen, you need to be doing that anyways. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have that opportunity. <clears throat> no. No. And so I think I can, I think I can get a very consistent deer population into my property. Um, this is just, you know, the first year it's hunted and I drastically changed the landscape. That's another thing you got to think about too, is the deer that were coming to my property year round, they were coming through, you know, thick brush and stuff. And then I went and brush hogged everything. So they're, they seem to be mildly kind of cautious about what's going on on my property for good reason because i'm out there waiting for them (laughs) so (laughs) um but uh 
on the other hand, though, like I have had a phenomenal season hunting squirrels and ducks and raccoons. I mean, I've had my small game season has been just on you know, point, huh? yeah, it's all all over the place, man. I uh, I put your some of your shot shells to use uh, that you loaded. I even tasted one of the pellets from one of your shot shells because uh, uh, that's the problem with duck hunting. See, this is why this is why I so I. I'm starting to enjoy it. I'm starting to see where duck hunting is fun. But traditionally, the, you know, if I'm devoting time to hunting, I'm going to go deer hunting because I can't go buy that at the store or I can't very readily raise that in my backyard. Um, there are rules against uh, just keeping wild game in your, in your uh, fences. Um, but I have, I have ducks that I can go out in my backyard and, you know, I mark them if I want to. Well, the particular ones I have now are breeding ducks, but next year I'll have ducks to eat. Wild ducks, the reason why I'm, I hadn't been a huge fan of duck hunting is they're much smaller. So, I mean, they're way smaller than my domestic birds. And then on top of that, to get a good kill shot, you know, you're aiming for the vitals and the head area. So the upper part, and that's where the meat is, the breast. So there's a high probability you're going to end up with some shot in your breast, in your duck breast, not your own breast. I mean, that would be quite an interesting feat. That and that would kind of hurt. It, it tickle a little. <clears throat> I'm thinking the tickle is not the word for it. So, so you know, you're going to end up, Now, squirrel hunting, you know, you aim for the upper half of the squirrel and you eat the back legs. That's really the only meat hardly at all that's on the squirrels is the back legs. Right, so you you rarely wind up with shot pellets. I mean, if you're a decent shot, and also squirrels, you can you can hunt them with a twenty two if you have one. I I just don't have a twenty two. So, but I'm starting to see where duck hunting could be a lot of fun now that I'm on I'm near a good body of water that has um, lots of ducks and waterfowl, and because you can hunt from a boat if you wanted to. Hmm. So think about this, you know. Um, instead of having to <clears throat> get out somewhere, go hiking out, get into a blind, sit in a blind, <clears throat> you just hop on the boat, take the boat out, set some decoys out in a little area. You can kind of cover, you know, you can, I mean, they make boat blinds that you can set up and kind of, you know, camouflage yourself in. And realistically, you could be sitting there with a fishing pole out while you're waiting on ducks to come in. And then, you know, see ducks start coming in. Grab your shotgun, blast them out of the sky. So, how's uh, Ruger when it comes to uh, going and getting them? Uh, I haven't got him to because uh, the I, the first time I went out the, the the time that I got a duck on it was on my pond, which my pond also is a good viable hunting spot for ducks because and I really just need to set up like a a duck blind on the pond. Because our blinds wouldn't work very well for duck hunting. You don't have enough, you know, sky. visibility of the sky. Um, but I'd have to, I could build something to where you can kind of sit there and wait for them to come in. Just watch um, the ranch. They've got some <clears throat> some duck blinds. You can go off of that. Yeah. So we, uh, uh, so I, I went out and I got a duck <clears throat> and Ruger wasn't with me because I wasn't sure. Because I knew, I knew that there was going to be ducks on my pond. But I haven't gone out and sat and waited for them to come into the pond. I've been going out when they're already there. Mm-hmm. And so basically, I've got to get up onto the pond, 
without spooking them first till I'm in a position where I can get a shot. And I didn't know if he'd run up on the pond and just spook them and I'd be too far away and have too many trees and stuff in my way to shoot them. So I didn't take him with me whenever I did get a duck. Um, so I had to take the John boat out to the pond in the middle of the pond to, um, to retrieve said duck. Um, but I'm going to test that whenever duck season opens back up again, because duck season's weird. It's like two, it's split. So it ended November 29th and it'll start back up again. I think December 6th or 5th or something like that. I have to double check and then go until January 31st. So here next week, duck season opens back up again. <clears throat> so, uh, but I did take him the last day of duck season out to the pond, and he did a good he did a good job of not just running right up onto the pond. Um, he stayed behind me, and then uh, but there were only three ducks, and they bolted a little bit sooner than I was prepared for, and they were out of. I didn't get a good shot on them because of the direction they flew off. There's too many trees in the way. <clears throat> so so uh, the remodel on my house mm-hmm. has uh, this past week. I got more done this past week than I have ever gotten done in that amount of time. Now, part of it was due to the fact that I was uh, off for the whole week. But uh, so I got the uh, bathroom, the my master bedroom and the uh the cl- master closet mudded as well as i finally got the um the former door into my living room that finished sheetrocked and mudded <coughs> i've also uh textured which i i went and bought a uh, harbor freight um texture uh hopper gun uh-huh which that thing was pretty cool. Uh, I let's see what else did I do? Oh, we uh, primed, painted, and then I uh, hung the the lights, the sconces that uh, that I bought whenever you were there helping mm-hmm. me hang sheetrock for what was it Labor Day? It was, it was Labor Day or Memorial Day? One of the one two. of those one of those days. And uh, then, um, and the funny thing about that is. I could not figure out why I did not... I kept trying... I hung the lights, and I'm going, why are these not working? And I I just couldn't figure it out. Uh, And I didn't really have time to mess with it. Well, then I I went to the the outlet, or I started searching for where I brought the power to, and there was one outlet that wasn't working. What in the world, man? Why is this not working? I look down, or pull it out, looking in, going, oh, well, that's why. Well, what I did is main power comes from the the outlets, mm-hmm. and the switchable power uh, also comes from the outlet. Well, I did the switchable power to the outlet that wasn't working, <laughs> and I didn't jumper from the the uh, the outlet that wasn't working to the other outlet uh, in that double gang box. That's why I didn't have power. That's why the lights weren't working. Oh. I'm going, man, what in the world is going on? Electricity is fun. I actually didn't. I accomplished virtually nothing this past week. Um, but that's primarily because I'm going to engine rebuild that I've been doing. <clears throat> and we hosted a Thanksgiving over at my house as well. So 
nothing really got done on my house. Although it officially is the finished as far as the final, like I got my final inspection and everything done a little while ago. And it finally, just now the mortgage company um, saw fit to finally get me my escrow check, my, my money that they were holding on to for me. The dumbest thing in the world. <clears throat> I, I, I cannot stress enough how much I hate the entire process of buying and selling houses. Like, I think it is the most overly complicated nonsense full of incompetence and way too many people involved to purchase a home, all of which are making money off of the deal. So you're basically, you're, as the buyer or seller, whoever, both the buyer and seller are paying everybody involved mm-hmm. in this. Everybody gets paid. And most of them are incompetent. I mean, it's Pretty ridiculous. Much. So, um, but I'm glad that that's finally, like, that, that chapter is closed. And now every, everything I do remodel-wise, you know, the rest of which, you know, on my house is all simple. And it's, you know, it's, it's all, you know, hey, I want to do this. No big deal. I don't have to hire somebody. You don't have to ask somebody. I don't somebody. have to send off 10, or not 10, W-9s off to the mortgage company to get their information so that they can write half of the check to send to me to have to sign so that I can then give to them. It's the most complicated way to spend my own money. I mean, it really is. <clears throat> how, and, much, how much did they, uh, was this escrow check that they were holding? Um, it's like $2,000. They paid ha- they paid part of the contract. That's another thing is they, nobody ever told me that they were so when they cut the check to the contractors to pay them, they sent me half of the invoice. So the contractors only got paid half of what the bill was. The electrician and the plumber, they only got paid half. Mm. Um, and nobody told me this, and I didn't discover this until a check arrives, and uh, and it was half the amount of the invoice. I'm like, what the heck is this all about? And they said, oh, they can't release the entirety of the funds until the final inspection. I'm like, so let me get this straight. <laughs> like, you guys expect contractors to come out, do work on a house, and either I have to foot the bill out of, and, and then wait to get reimbursed till everything, everything is done, or they don't get paid until everything is done. Not only that, but for me to have to come out of pocket to spend my own to spend my money that I have here with me because you don't want to give me my money that you have like how complicated can you make this <clears throat> and and the crazy thing is is they the, you know the 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 people that dealt with the department of the the mortgage company that handles the repair escrows um they like they seem to act like I was being like I was being weird for it being a strange process in fact to be honest with you like uh, the electric both the electrician and the plumber both were confused about the process in the first place um and that was before they were only getting paid half of their invoice because the plumber was like um yeah we require payment immediately and i was like okay so here's the deal i have a repair escrow we'll 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 you know you give me the invoice give me your w9 i'll send it off to them they'll cut me a check we should have a check next week and then i have to sign it and then i give it to you but you'll get your money you know and they were okay with that 
And I feel bad because when the check finally did arrive the next week, it was only half of the yeah. invoice. <clears throat> and I guarantee you, if it were me, I'd be like, uh, no. Yeah, well. How about this? We'll go ahead and do all that. We'll say that we did the work. And uh, well, the problem is, is that we can't, you know, we can't get the final check cut until inspections. The final, the appraiser has to come back out and do a final inspection to ensure that all of the repair items that he required in his initial appraisal is completed. So you, and if I had known all of this, so the plumber has to do all the work, but he doesn't get paid until. Um, they're the other half. Well, and here's the even crazier thing is the guy that, that I spoke to whenever asking why on earth I only got half of the check, they acted like they were doing me a favor by sending me half of the check because normally they wouldn't send anything out. They can only do partial disbursements. And so he managed to he managed to like work some you know, work the system somehow to be able to send half of the check out. And I'm like, you, you act like you're doing me a favor by giving me part of my money to pay the invoice. And if I, to be honest with you, if I were to do it again and I knew about this, uh, I would have just done all of the work myself. So that way there wouldn't have been contractors waiting, waiting on payment or me having to pay out of pocket, which is what ended up happening is I just paid the other half of the invoice. So why didn't you or why couldn't you just do the work yourself? Well, for one, I thought it was going to be a simple enough process um, to deal with the repair escrow because it seemed like a simple concept to me. I give you guys the money at closing. You hold on to my money. <laughs> invoice comes in. You pay said invoice. And I was wrong. Um, so I thought it'd be simple enough. And I was already doing, you know, a dozen different things. So I figured, yeah, I'll have the plumber fix a few leaky faucets and some drains and stuff that need work. I'll have the electrician figure out the short in this um, so that I don't have to go chasing wires, you know, for a day while I work on, you know, putting fences up in the pasture and, you know, and all this other stuff and painting and all that jazz, I can have these guys do it. Um, but, and cause to me, it didn't like, it made sense to spend the money to have a contractor do it to consolidate my time. But if I'd have known that it was going to be this big hoopla and this ridiculous nonsense of juggling checks and having to, you know, pay, because it's, it's just so annoying. Because imagine this. <laughs> imagine um, that you put money aside. Someone is holding on to your money to buy a car for you. And then you go to get said car, but they don't want to release the money until there's an inspection done on the car. So you have to then pay out of pocket to buy the car so that way you can wait till later for them to give you your money to reimburse you your own money. Because that's essentially, <laughs> I mean, that's essentially the nonsense that happened. Because I gave them money to hold on to me, or hold on. And the reason that they do these repair escrows is they want to ensure that the work gets completed. But what if I didn't have the spare cash to pay the contractors for their work because they were holding on to my cash because that's what they want to avoid they want to have this repair escrow because they don't want they don't want you to not have enough money to they don't want you to not get the required repairs done because you don't have enough money to do it so they want to ensure they get the money up front for it 
but then they hold on to your money, so then you don't have the money to pay the contractors who want to get paid whenever the work is completed. <laughs> How? It's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. If I were to do it again, and this would be my advice to anybody who's working um, a repair escrow of any kind with, uh, with a mortgage, especially if it's self-funded, um, just do the work yourself. Talk to, talk to the department that cuts these checks and ask them, if you're allowed to do the work yourself, 99% of the time you should be able to, as long as it, as long as the when the final appraisal comes out, and that's if you can do the work. You know, not everyone, I guess, could could do the work, but um, yeah, some people don't. They they lack the uh, the knowledge of how to do. Stuff well, like so that. like I had a, I did do some of the work myself because I had a porch post uh, that was that had was falling apart and it was being held up by a by a, basically a cargo bar uh, on the front porch, mm-hmm. and. I was going to have um, my contractor come out and do that just because he had, you know, I've, he, he did the, he, he jumped through the hoops to get me the estimates that I needed and everything for closing. And I felt I would, you know, I wanted him, and it wasn't a big job. It was a $375 job to replace a post. And I didn't want him to, you know, go through the hassle of, he's had to have spent every bit of at least an hour and a half between the multiple different times that he had to send me invoices and type up new estimates and all that stuff and whatnot to send off to the mortgage company to get closed. And I didn't want him to not make any money for it. But on the other hand, um, when I found out about this whole, they're going to pay half and all that and make it a big complicated mess i told him i said i'll just i'm just gonna fix this post myself i feel bad that you put any effort into you know giving me estimates and stuff but i don't want you to drive an hour and 15 minutes to not you know to to get paid for half of the work and then me have to come out of pocket to pay you the you know other for a whole 375 dollars it's barely worth your time in the first place much less dealing with any sort of headaches and hoopla from them so <clears throat> I just did that myself, and had I known from the get-go, that's what I would have done. I would have just done all the work myself. Yes, it would have been more pain. It would have been more stressful and whatnot dealing with the additional things that I wasn't anticipating fixing myself. But I think at, on my house, the only the only thing that I actually had uh, actually done because uh, with HUD. I had to hire an electrician to a licensed electrician. That was the only thing they said I had to do uh, when it came to hiring somebody. But with uh, with everything else, painting wise, I was able to do that myself. Um, they 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 well, sent out this. It, it was weird. The inspection person mm-hmm. that came out, took pictures, mm-hmm. was some lady, some little old lady. And she comes in, she takes pictures, and then they sent the um, appraisal person out. And I, uh, it was like 7.30 in the morning. <clears throat> this guy shows up at my house to do the appraisal. <clears throat> and we're getting ready for work. And he's he's like, yeah, I'm going to walk around on the inside, uh, get all the information I need, and then I'm going to do the outside and I'll be out of here. And I was like, can you go ahead and appraise it as if 
there is a third bedroom because I am gonna work and make a one of the living rooms a uh, a master bedroom. He's like, yeah, you bet. So he wrote it up as if there was going there was a third bedroom. Huh. And uh, even though there's two living rooms. Yeah, that's very very interesting. <laughs> I wish I wish I would have got an appraiser that was that you know with less scruples, because <laughs> then I would be like, hey, can you just go ahead and appraise it as though the electrical work, plumbing work, and this fence post were already done? <laughs> yeah, you bet. Then we wouldn't have had to do repair escrow at all. Actually, my real estate agent, or my not my real estate, the listing agent, the guy, the seller's agent, tried to get the appraiser to do that. He told me, because I never had any interaction with the appraiser the first go-round. Now, the final inspection, it was the same appraiser. Um, and he came out, and we had a conversation, and he said that that listing agent was shady. was trying to get him to write it up as if, you know. Not, and to be honest with you, he cut me a lot of breaks whenever it came to required repair items. Because um, uh, he could have, like on my, I have a... Uh, I have that side porch where my where where my uh, door. I have an exterior door between the garage and the house there that goes into what's going to be my office. Well, the, like the lattice on the guard on the handrails is like broken out of it, mm -hmm. and he said that's like he said that's borderline. Like if that's an issue, uh, like as a safety hazard, he said I, he said it's stupid, but they technically that would have been a required repair item but i wasn't going to write that up because that's just dumb that's what he said so he's already cutting me some breaks but he can't overlook the fact that there's like you know actual water leaks in the house right he can't overlook the fact that like 30 percent of the outlets on one side of the house didn't work and the light switches because a circuit uh, a circuit breaker wasn't working because there is a legitimate electrical short and also the furnace wasn't working, but I know why the furnace wasn't working. That was because they had a tough time getting the pilot lit because they had a tough time bleeding air out of the lines because they had a massive gas leak. Um, like it was leaking bad. But um, you didn't have to have a plumber out to do that. You did no, that I did that myself. I fixed the gas leak myself. Um, <clears throat> because I fixed the, the, that wasn't a re on the required repair item, so I didn't have that uh, planned anyways for the plumber wasn't until I discovered that I managed to burn through half a tank of propane in less than a month because I had a gas leak underneath the house, which is cool, you know, that we have a, had a gas leak um, underneath the house, which was near the back porch, which is where we were doing all of our cooking on hmm. a wood-burning grill. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would have been that would have been very interesting. I'd be like, hey, uh, you know, I just got this homeowner's policy, but um, so I'm going to need to make a claim. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to rebuild this house because it went kablooey. Um, so, and it's yeah, it, the great crazy thing is, is the listing agent knew it was leaking gas um, because they mentioned something to me. They said it, they fixed the gas leak. But there, you know, there's an area where the the lines come in, and it's two different metals, and so it's prone to corrode. And so keep it, you know, look, you know, keep an eye on that to make sure. And that's not where it was leaking, anyways. It was, it, it was, it was just some bad fittings. And so I, I don't know. It was, it's a whole, it's a whole hoopla. I don't, I don't suggest to anybody, um, to like. 
to expect that you're going to close in a relatively short time frame if you have a house that needs repairs and you're trying to do an FHA. And I've, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, why I don't think, I think federal home loan programs are bad for our economy as a whole. I mean, yes, it opens up the path to homeowner. It opened up the path to homeownership, make it easier for people because you have these federally backed loans. The problem is, is that these banks, these banks don't have any skin in the game yeah. anymore. <clears throat> and that's what makes it so ridiculous to me is that banks, mortgage companies act like they want, they want to act like they're doing you a favor by lending you the money to buy a house. And it's like, no, you've got this relationship mixed up here. I'm a customer. I'm paying you money. You know, so to look at it like an extreme example um, or a more extreme example, even with a low interest rate on my house in Virginia, it was a $200,000 house with like, uh, at that point, we had uh, 3.25% interest. So it was like super low interest rates at the time. Um, If I had paid that thing, if I had taken that loan to maturity for 30 years, made just the payments, the normal payments for 30 years, that $200,000 loan would have made the bank over $100,000. That's a lot of money. And they act like they're doing you a favor. Not only that, they have like no skin in the game because with a VA loan, the, the, the VA backs the loan. So if there's a default on the loan, guess what? The bank doesn't, they're not, they're not stuck holding the bag. Um, FHA loans the same way. Um, I mean, the only loans that a bank has any real skin in the game is conventional loans, and that's why they have you know higher down payment requirements and higher interest rates generally, and higher credit requirements and all that jazz. But I think the problem is is that you know, yes, that's great that they made it made homes more easy to like it made it easier to get a mortgage, right. But on the other hand, when you make it easier to get a mortgage like, like that, what it's done is it's made the property values go up. Right. So back before these federal home loan programs, I mean, houses were thirty or $40,000, like a nice house. And now it would, be, it would be absurd in most markets to think you could buy a house for less than two hundred grand. I mean, even around here, honestly, a house under hundred grand is kind of asking a lot. Unless it's a unless houses, it's a foreclosure or a very or relatively small under a hundred grand though, are dumps. Yeah, most most of the time. Exactly. I mean, my house was um, a lot of work to to get just to get just to even move into it. I'm still not done with it. It's probably going to be a year or two before I finish everything that I want to do to the house. Um, and the only now if that house had been in great shape, it, I would have. I would have had to pay close to 200 grand for that. Now, granted, it's 10 acres, so, I mean, um, and, you know, so that, that, that acreage, you know, would make it a more expensive property. It's not just the house that would have made it 200 grand. But that, that's what, if it was in pristine condition, ready to move in, that house would have been on the market for 200,000, not 77,000. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and, you know, it, Especially due to the fact that you had the 10 acres, you had yeah. the, uh, not because the house was, um, an amazing house. It's just, it has that nice, yeah. it's got nice the property. And I, I love that property. I don't, I cannot like almost every, like at least once a week, 
I discover a new benefit to that property. Like, for instance, ducks um, like to come and hang out on my pond like every day. And so I can duck hunt in my backyard. I don't have to put on waders and go out into, you know, the swamps or whatever and get in the get in the boat. Even though I've, I've got a boat that's great for duck hunting. I think we should have you, uh, try our hand at duck hunting sometime. Have you stocked your pond? I am starting to stock my pond. I have three bass in there, at least. Um, I don't. I don't think there was any bass to begin with, but there are three in there now, for sure. Okay, explain that one. Oh, well, I caught. I caught a bass. Oh, well, actually, Matthew stocked the. Put the first one in. He caught a bass on the lake. On the lake. Well, actually, it was actually on a pond in the uh, state park, and then we transported it to my pond. <clears throat> and put it in there. That was the first bass. His name is Luke. And then, um, which I, I thought was weird. I was like, I would have thought like if you were going to do like a first bass, I would like, for the pond, I would, I'd call him Adam, I think. <clears throat> that would have been what I would have thought to do. He's like, I was like, what do you want to name? Cause, but he caught him. So, you know, he got the name. I was like, what do you want to name? He said, Luke. And I'm like, Luke? Why Luke? He said, he looks like a Luke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we've got Luke. I caught the next one, which is bigger, and um, I don't know if it's a female or not, but I called her Sally. So I was gonna say, um, if it's a dude, you're not gonna have any more fish there. No, but we have. So the point, the the plan is, every time I catch a bass that is large enough to keep, we're putting it in the pond. That way, and at some point or another, it's a numbers game. We're gonna have you know the right genders in there to create a population there's plenty of bait fish in there there's lots of minnows and there's a ton of there's bullfrogs all around there and bass will eat frogs so in fact typically the bass that do eat frogs are get to be like some of the biggest most aggressive bass out there if they're if they're frog eating so um so i put a third one in there um and his name is napoleon so we have luke sally and napoleon um and then I actually put a catfish in there the other day. Um, I wasn't intending on, I, as I think there may be some catfish in there. I haven't fished it for catfish yet to see. Because there are some bigger than bait fish in there. I've seen, I've seen, like, seen them hit the top of the water um, before I was putting bass in there. But I don't think there was bass in there. <clears throat> so I, I would think that there, there may be catfish in there. I've seen them. I haven't seen them with my own eyes yet. And I don't want to put cat, too many catfish in there for the bass to have to compete with um, the catfish whenever it comes to bait fish to get bigger. So, which what I can do is I can just, you know, start feeding the catfish if there is a lot of catfish in there. Just feed them catfish food and they won't be, they won't chase the bait fish as much and uh, should theoretically allow the bass to have free reign on the bait fish. But only reason I put a catfish in there is I strung his trot line out and... Um, and I had caught um, three big catfish and one smaller catfish. And I was I would have let him go in the lake, but he had a hook through his eye. And so I was like, eh, well, you know, I've blinded him, so I might as well eat him. And then I get back home. I pulled this catfish out at like 9.45 in the morning, and I'm cleaning the fish. The other, th- you know, I start with the bigger ones, and I'm cleaning them. And I go to open up the cooler, and this little guy's still alive. And it was like noon or 12.30. He'd been out of the water for three hours. And I'm like, well, let me take you down to the pond and see how you do. I put him in the water. He just swam off like nothing ever happened. So I was like, all right, he gets a pass. 
So I have three, uh, for sure, it is a known fact I have three bass and one catfish in there, at least. I don't know what else is in there. Well, and some turtles and bullfrogs and minnows. <clears throat> and the occasional ducks come by to visit, as well as a crane that stops by every so often. So what you should do is uh, see if you can get some bass or... I don't know if there's stores that sell bass, but you could possibly get like 15 or 20 at a time. And just See, that's the thing. You have to go to hatcheries. I have to look. In, I'm going to look look into that. I wanted to look into that. So you can get the wildlife department to stock your pond for free as well. Um, however, there's some stipulations involved with, with Oklahoma's wildlife department. One, the pond has to be at least an, ha, at least half an acre in surface area, which mine is like just shy like it is like i think like 500 square feet shy of of half an acre in surface area so i think they i think they just kind of eyeball it so they might come out and be like yeah that's good but another stipulation to it <clears throat> what they'll when they stock these ponds is if you have the wildlife department stock your pond one you are required to have a fishing license to fish your pond, your own private pond, which is fine for me because I always have one and my wife's always going to have a fishing license. But I kind of want like people who maybe don't fish that frequently or whatever, if they come over, I can give them a fishing pole and they can go fish my pond and don't have to buy a fishing license to do so. Um, that's kind of what, like I'd like to build somewhat of a, a good bass fishing pond that could get people excited about bass fishing. And, and, and that's kind of hard to do if I was like, okay, by the way, you got to buy a fishing license. Not that the game warden's going to necessarily stop by that often, but who knows, you know, um, it would, it would kind of suck, you know, to get someone who, you know, and say, Hey, you don't really need a license. It's on my, my own property. And then the game warden shows up and then their first experience with bass fishing is getting a ticket from the game warden. Um, another thing too, is that, um, if they stock your pond, then you you basically give them permission to come on and check your and do like surveys and check your pond whenever they want. Now I'm sure that they're probably gonna you know stop by and say hey we're gonna go out in the pond and we're gonna you know the biologist is gonna you know take a look around and see what see what the population of the fish is and all that stuff. So that's the I think the reason why they they do this. I don't think I'd want anybody poking around <clears throat> on my property. No, and it's and I think it would, I think it would be fine. It's just um, when big uh, government says <laughs> that they all, can help. Of all of the government entities that uh, true, the wildlife department is the one that I feel is the least corrupt and actually does the most good. Like it actually serves a real purpose. It does what it's supposed to do true but when big government says that they can help i'm gonna say no yeah hard pass and that's why that's why i'm like ah, i don't know if i want to do this i don't because basically i feel like i'm I'd, I'd basically be giving up some amount of autonomy with my own pond by allowing them to stock it which would then in turn mean that you know now there's licensing requirements to for fish some my reason, pond and for some reason i thought you were gonna say um, that they would basically, the the wildlife department would then put it into a uh, data bank, and that data bank would then be 
if I wanted to come out there without your permission. No, yeah. It doesn't make it a public pond. It just means that, you know, so like, it just means that you have to have a license to fish the pond now and the game warden can come by anytime to check licenses and, and then the biologist could come out. Now, you know, honestly, is the biologist going to have much interest in, you know, checking fish population on a half acre pond? I don't think so, but... I just, you know, who knows? It'd be my luck that that's the pond that they just take so much interest in and they're out once a month doing, you know, um, you know, checking, you know, checking or, or they're running, you know, they'll run, you know, they'll run whatever experiments they want to run and stuff and, you know, to, to gather data and information on the fish. And so I I just don't, it just seemed to me to be just easier to, I'll just stock it myself. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just go out. I'll get some bass. I'll put them in there. I'll find. I'll find so the means. The of... question though is, can you buy fish from a hatchery? Um, and yes. They... Yeah, you can. I just. I, in, I from what I've looked into, and I haven't looked into it too in depth. From what I've looked into, a lot of times they. It seems like the hatcheries they want they want to be selling like fish by the hundreds, and not by like. 15 or 20 because realistically i don't want to put more than probably 30 bass in that pond maybe i mean it's not huge and it's not super deep so i don't want to put a hundred of them in there and they also typically these hatcheries are selling they're not selling them of any reasonable size they're selling them like they're selling fingerlings so they're you know um you know, probably four or five inch long bass and it'll take several years to grow them so to me it seems like an easier thing to do is to go out and catch some relatively sizable bass, put them in there, and I could have a healthy, you know, kind of trophy bass type situation going on in the pond. And it wouldn't be as much for me to fish it. I might fish it on occasion um, just to kind of see what's going on in the pond and, you know, know what baits they're biting on and, you know, check check how my fish are doing. Um, but it'd be more for... If guests come over, people who either don't really bass fish um, or just don't really fish at all have a, a, a pond that's not impossible to get fish out of that'd be kind of, you know, I don't want to make it like so ridiculously easy that I hand feed the bass every day. And so literally you can just, you know, <laughs> throw a shoe in there and catch a bass. But I want it to, I want it to be almost a surefire thing that if you fish it for a couple hours, you're at least going to catch a bass, particularly kids too, is another thing. You know, I'd like for them to be able to fish it without, without it being too difficult. So, so that's the plan with that, with that pond. Um, I do have to work on that raccoon population though, because raccoons will, um, get into my pond and start eating them fish. And, uh, that's a, that's a problem. I got to get, get rid of them. Um, which by the way, I just did look at the, uh, deer season, rifle season ends Sunday. So we actually have, this is the last weekend coming up for rifle season, by the way. So, um, so it is still possible to hunt deer with rifles. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, obviously pigs, you can, you know, you can hunt pigs at night too. So it's completely legal to hunt pigs at night. So, which isn't, I, I know someone who's got the scope for it. Yep. Anyhow, uh, let's take a quick break and uh, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. 
Okay, welcome back, peoples. Um, did we actually get it recording? Yeah, we are. Um, yes, yes, we did. That would be extremely inconvenient. Um, so, why'd you pay me for taxes? Well, being the fact that um, we have been on the books to actually go out for sushi. Oh, <laughs> I'm sick and tired of it sitting in the back of my mind going. I was so I just opened up the phone because I was going to pull up an article to talk about, and I noticed that Tyler had <clears throat> sent me sixty bucks, and it said, and the reason in it was taxes, and I'm trying it says to sushi for taxes. Oh, okay. Well, see, I don't read emojis. Um, well, you should. You should learn that. Yeah, it's I don't. A, I mean, I I just saw I saw like a a shape, and I was like uh, taxes. What? It, it, I just don't, I don't do emojis. I'm not, uh, we're, we're not speaking in hieroglyphs over here. So I saw, <laughs> I just saw taxes and I'm thinking it's awfully early to be starting on. I thought he was like, I thought you were like paying me because you wanted me to prepare your taxes this year. No. And I'm like, it's kind of early. I don't, we can't quite get to that yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for. Uh, that was for doing... last year's taxes. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> I forgot about that. We yeah. Were sp- we were supposed to go out for sushi. And I was going to take you out. It just never happened. But your wife wasn't available. Yeah. And every time I was available, you guys weren't, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and then you guys decided now, to buy a house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, now I'm an hour and And there's no minutes. sushi <clears throat> around where you guys live. No, not not. I don't think there is. And so. if there was, I don't think I'm eating that kind of sushi out there. Basically... We've, for the past year, um, or for nearly a year after doing these taxes, we've lived about eight minutes apart from each other and couldn't find the time to go to sushi. So I, yeah, it's probably it's probably logical that to assume that we're probably never <laughs> going to <clears throat> watch like two weeks from now. We'll be like, hey, you want to go to? <laughs> Go for sushi. <laughs> we we both just so happen to have time. No, what I wanted to get into before uh, before Tyler paid me for last year's taxes. Um, uh, there's a good article. I think I sent it to you. Um, uh, I think the uh, headline or the title is Five More Ways Joe Biden Magically Outperformed Election Norms." And this is something that bothers me that no one's talking about this. Um, if if the election results are true, there's no funny business going on, right, in the election. There's no fraud, and, and it's all true. Mm-hmm. Um, then this campaign, Joe Biden's campaign, should go into the history books as the most unbelievable campaign and successful campaign that ever there was. Mm-hmm. It'll be taught in political science classes for years to come like it will be it's 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 historical right exactly <clears throat> for instance and it still might because somehow the liberals seem to weave that kind of stuff in and so, make it sound like look, they 80 right. million votes that's a lot of americans <clears throat> who have vote who turned out to vote right mm-hmm. no incumbent president in nearly a century and a half has gained votes in a re-election campaign and still lost. That's another thing. Think about this. That means that Trump got more votes on his re-election 
campaign this time around than he did the first time around. The first time around. And it has never, historically speaking, it has not happened in a hundred over 150 years. It has never happened to where that, that, that just hasn't where where the 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 incumbent gets more votes in his reelection and still loses. Right. He gained more than 10 million votes since his 2016 victory. And Biden managed to get a record number of votes. So there's two things that happened here. Um, okay, no matter what, records were set, right? So if the election results are true, Biden got the most votes in the history of America for a presidential campaign. If there's some funny business going on, then Trump got the most votes. It doesn't matter. Either way, somebody got the most votes in American history, which is pretty crazy to begin with. But secondly, I, I find it so hard to believe that he, Joe Biden, the man who can't string together three sentences, calls AR-15s AR-14s, tells, tells people he doesn't work for them, says that if uh, you don't vote for him, that he, that you, then you ain't black... Um, and also, um, it probably is that he was going to make sure that every American got first on how for It may have been that. It's a fundamental right, you know. Um, and he's going to arm... That's how he's going to accomplish it. No, so... Um, Joe Biden also would become the first president in 60 years to lose the states of Ohio and Florida on his way to election. For a century, these states have consistently predicted the national outcome, and they have been considered roughly representative of the American melting pot as a whole. Despite national polling giving Biden a lead in both states, he lost Ohio by eight points and Florida by more than three. So for Biden to lose these key um, swing states by notable margins and still win the national election is newsworthy, but why is that not being talked about? Why is that not like coming across like, you know, like, why is that not blaring on CNN every single day that he's run this magical campaign and he's so masterful at managing this? <clears throat> like, why aren't we, why aren't we bragging about this, people? Um, uh, Biden trailed Clinton except in a few select cities. So um, a couple of different pollsters showed that uh, Biden underperformed Hillary Clinton in every major metro area around the country, except for Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. Uh, those uh, big cities and swing states run by Democrats, the vote even exceeded the number of registered voters. That's another interesting little tidbit. Um, Biden, here's another, okay, so here's another thing. Biden won despite Democrat losses in, like, so he won districts where in other races, like the House and Senate, Republicans gain seats in those districts. So this, this, says a couple, this says one of two things. Either one, it was a miraculous campaign, and uh, so either one, it was, it was you know, voter fraud, um, or two... People are so fed up, like people were so, so like they don't, they don't really want to vote Democrat in, in it, which would be proven by the fact that they elected Republican House and Senate seats in these districts 
but they didn't like like they they like Republicans, but they don't like Trump, and so they voted for Biden. <clears throat> so that's that's the that's a, pecu- a peculiar thing, right? Like how how does that happen? So my problem with that um, is okay. There's been multiple times uh, during this um, investigation that they've said that there's multiple ballots, that the only thing that was filled out on the ballot was the the presidential uh, election spot. Mm-hmm. Not anything to do with the... Um, the senators, the other people, the other things that were yeah. on the ballot, just the presidential. And that's the thing is like, so did someone, did, did people come in and vote only for the president and just completely ignore Everything the House else? and Senate? Or did people come in and vote for Republicans and then say, yeah, you know what? I know I voted Republican this entire ticket um, on this ballot, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to throw a curveball at people and vote Biden overwhelmingly too. Yeah. Um, uh, so th- those are, and there's one more thing on this, in this article that I, I mean, I find it peculiar, but no, um, not like it's not as glaringly obvious of a red flag to me as the other ones, but you know, uh, but Biden overcame Trump's commanding primary vote in the past. Primary votes have been remarkably accurate in predicting general election winners. Um, first, no incumbent who has received 75% of the total primary vote has lost re-election, ever, historically speaking. Second, President Trump received 94% of the primary vote, which is the fourth highest of all time. Um, <clears throat> uh, and Trump, Trump is, only one, uh, is only one of five incumbents since 1912 to receive more than 90% of the primary vote. Trump set a record for most primary votes received by an incumbent when more than 18 million people turned out for him in 2020. The previous record was held by Bill Clinton that was half of that, like 9 million primary votes-ish. So Biden, for Biden to prevail in the general election despite Trump's historic support in the primaries turns its centuries worth of prior election data on its head. So... so in conclusion, basically, Joe Biden achieved the impossible, and it's strange that there aren't more journalists talking about this. So, I have a article that, or actually it's not an article, um, it's a massive document that is uh, put together that, do you know who Roger Stone is? Name uh, sounds familiar. He was on the 2016 campaign trail with Trump. Um, he was kind of the campaign manager, um, but kind of the uh, the bad cop of uh, Trump's campaign. He was always the one pushing the... Uh, the he, he, he ran um, Bill Clinton's campaign. Mm-hmm. I think he also ran George Bush's campaign. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when... Trump said that he was going to run, uh, and he's always been a friend of Trump's, um, and he said uh, to Trump that Trump needed to run. Well, he was kind mm-hmm. of the one of the first people that told Trump, if you run, I will help you run your campaign. And uh, then 
because of the campaign, the Democrats really didn't like Roger Stone at that point. They actually tried... Um, they said that he was part of the Russia collusion. They were yeah. able to prove it and uh, prove it uh, with air quotes. Um, but at the same time, um, basically Trump said, yeah, go ahead and take the charges and I'll pardon you. So he did. He's been pardoned. And then he uh, he's now helping Rudy Giuliani uh, and Sidney Powell collaborate all of this information mm-hmm. and... Uh, push it through to where we can see if this actually voter fraud can get uh, Biden and the Biden campaign kicked out. So, because of all that, Clay Clark, my business coach, has been asking uh, all of us uh, business owners that work with him if we happen to see anywhere a video of voter fraud to send it to him he goes i've most likely seen it but if not then just go ahead and send it to me and uh, Mm -hmm. i'll uh, weed it out so in this document he's got countless videos of voter fraud here in oklahoma we had two uh videos that was sent to him of the church uh, on cherry street um it's uh, St. Anne's, something or another. It's a voting place. And they threw out several hundred ballots. Let me get the exact amount. Let's see here. It says, so um, w- one of the things here in Oklahoma is a woman received mail-in ballot already opened. Uh, the other one was men raise alarms after finding discarded Trumps in the trash while cleaning up a church. So that one's the one where, um, they were cleaning up the church after a wedding Uh that happened after the voting on uh, election day. Uh And so they're taking some trash out and as they're taking some trash out, they see a trash bag there in the trash can. I look, you can see through the trash bag because it's somewhat translucent. And they're like, huh, those look like ballots. So they pulled the bag of trash out and they look. And sure enough, they open it up. And inside this bag is a bunch of Republican ballots hmm. that were thrown out. Which I, which I think is interesting that anyone would even attempt that in Oklahoma. Like that is a losing battle. Oh yeah, Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma. Oklahoma was solid red all yeah. the way across. Yeah, not a there single wasn't county. A single county. That not went a county. Blue. That's another funny, interesting thing, by the way, that Biden won states despite losing. Like he, he lost more count. Like he lost in more counties across the nation than any president in history has ever. Anybody, nobody has been elected president with as as many county losses as Biden has. Another particular, particularly interesting thing, and you'll have to, I mean, what the listeners will have to double check this on their own because I don't have a ton of time, but I'm pretty sure, I think it was Pennsylvania, that despite Pennsylvania only sending out 1.6 million mail-in ballots, they somehow counted 2.8 million ballots, I think, hmm. is how it worked out. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, maybe there's a valid explanation for that, but that seems... So the the biggest state um, that I think Trump has, tweeted that actually the the biggest state that has had the voter fraud 
Uh, and this is Pennsylvania. Uh, oh, yeah, Pennsylvania. I feel like Pennsylvania is just rife with voter so, fraud. Let me, let me read a few of these. This is hilarious. Erie, Pennsylvania. Postal worker Richard Hopkins accused of being, false, being a false whistleblower. Number two is researcher confirms tens of thousands of Pennsylvania ballots returned earlier than sent date. Hmm. Uh, the third one, uh, military ballots found in the trash in Pennsylvania. Uh, number four, analysis of votes cast for Joe Biden and turns out or turnout itself in Pennsylvania reveal a host of statistical and historical anomalies that favor Democratic candidates' chances of winning the pre- presidency. I mean, you just keep going. It just goes on and on and on, and that's the that's the thing that. So here's here's the here's a concern, right? I don't feel like there's a good outcome, no matter what. Like I feel like I feel like we have a couple of things going on here. So here's another one. This one's nuts. Lawsuit. At least twenty-one thousand dead people on Pennsylvania's ro- voter rolls. Yeah. Well, I know that most of those twenty-one thousand probably voted Republican whenever they voted, right? No. They they voted Democrat because. Why would they be on a, a voter roll if they were listen, every, Republican? Listen, everybody gets a voice, even <laughs> just because, like that is just because they've been in the grave. For yeah, that is discriminatory against. They're not dead, Tyler. They're just living impaired. Okay, <laughs> you can't, you can't go and like that is. I mean, that's discriminatory on so many levels. Like I try, we try to run a, a very equal opportunity show here. And I have to apologize for my co-host on that one. That's just that's just too much. There's you know how many people right now um, that that would be offended by that because you know I mean I don't know how many listeners we have that are living impaired, but um, I mean probably not many of them. But um, it's again equal opportunity. If you want to be listening. And you're living impaired. Don't, don't, don't be shy away from it. Goodness, Tyler, filled up my coffee to the absolute brim. Like I can't pick up this coffee mug. Uh, I have to like sip it while it's attached to the ch- the table. Otherwise, we'll get coffee all over our equipment here. No, the, the, you're so welcome, there, Matt. Thank, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's gonna take a little bit to be uh, before I can pick it up. <clears throat> no, the. I feel like there are two. There's there's no good outcome to this. You have, uh, on one hand, they prove that there's voter fraud and Trump remains president. Nobody on the left is going to accept that answer. On the other hand, no. on the other hand, there's uh, there's no proof or or there's a completely rigged process and we aren't able you know we we aren't able to prove in our justice system that there's voter fraud and biden becomes president and trump steps down nobody on the right is going to accept that what annoys me because because no matter what we it it's going to feel as though it's been a stolen election and then on top of that when he gets into his presidency so to be honest with you so i I've pondered this just a touch. I thought about this. I almost think that it might not be a bad thing if Biden became president. I know you're looking at me strange, but here's my thought on this. He's going to do 
because he's being puppeted by the left, he's going to do some outrageous things. They're going to try and come after um, weapons of war, I say with air quotes, and high-capacity magazines, I say again they, with air quotes. As soon as he gets in office, they will then take the, the Democrats, the, the ones that are being the puppeteers, will kick him out as president, say he's incompetent. Yeah. And then they will also bring the charges on Hunter Biden that they're not bringing right now. Yeah. And well, get him and Joe um, in trouble. Yeah. And then the next person in line is Kamala Harris. And that woman is pure evil. Yeah, well, and what, the, what they're going to do is they're going to make the fatal mistake of coming after uh, guns. That's, they're gonna, it's going to be a problem for them. And what it's going to do is it's going to push a lot of states who have, up until now, been complacent. It's going to push a lot of them to take actions that will actually help reduce federal government overreach. In fact, right now, there's a bill going through Arkansas um, that... Um, I've got to ask, what is up with Arkansas? Because <clears throat> the governor of Arkansas seems like he's uh, pussyfooting around lately. Well, kind of like our governor... Um, he seems to kind of go Our whichever. Governor's not doing as bad as Asa Hutchinson. No, it's it's they're politicians, man. They do they they that that's they follow whatever the political wind is. So, what but right now what's happening is so there's a bill going through Arkansas. I'm kind of shocked that your uncle hasn't said anything about it because well, eh. see, that's another thing is he can't um, he can't outright be against Asa Hutchinson as a whole. He can be against policies, but he can't be because he's a Republican and he's a politician. And if he it says he's against ASA, that's not good for his. That's not good for his political yeah, true. campaigns in the future. <laughs> like that'll hurt him. Um, but no. So there's a bill right now going through Arkansas that um, it will. I mean, at least he could say, "Come on, man! <clears throat> Come on, man! <laughs> Come on, man!" There's a bill going through Arkansas right now that um, that will prevent the federal government from regulating um, from regulating the manufacture, sale, or owner ownership, carrying, and possession of firearms in the state of Arkansas. And I think a lot of other states will follow suit if that's the case, and it will kick the federal government's ability completely out from regulating these constitutionally protected things, not just. Not just firearms, it'll cascade into more. And there'll be a ton of states who feel like they've been robbed because their voice isn't heard that are going to take more autonomy and become a whole lot more independent than what there presently is. Because the, the, because right now, I feel like there's, you know, like Oklahomans, they're not going to feel like, what's, what? <laughs> Rocky. Said, why don't you get a recliner? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, looked up the cameras, I guess, just to see if someone was here. <laughs> and uh, he saw me just kicked back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Anyways. There's. Ow. Um, so I think what's going to happen, I think what's coming of this, I think that the. Um, I think a lot of states have started to realize that they need more, they need to have a little bit more autonomy and be able to, to operate without as much federal government overreach. And I think that they will hopefully make moves in that right direction, which would be, it'd just be good for our country as a whole. Because honestly, if you don't, you know, if you feel like living in a more liberal area, then you can go to a more liberal area. And regardless of how the federal government is, you know, swinging in that particular moment in time, 
you have a state that is your kind of safe haven for liberal ideals, and that's fine. You know, if you want to go to California and live your life doing that without the federal government, you know, even if there's a Republican in office, then California can keep doing their California thing. And Oklahoma can do their Oklahoma thing. And you have these areas where people can live the way that they want to live. And if you don't like how the uh, politics are working in your particular state, you could either um, you can either change it by voicing your your voice and talking to your politicians or voting or run for office. Or you can move to another state if it gets too bad. You know, you just torch it and go on, you know. Start again. Don't literally torture. That's. I, I just don't understand why maybe all the socialists go to the socialist state. Leave our state alone. Go to a socialist state. There you are. Leave our state alone. I think, um, so right now there's another thing going on that isn't really um, in the spotlight. There's a coalition of states that I think will occur. There's a bunch of states that are getting together. And they're going to be enacting laws that will prevent the federal government from stepping in to promote, uh, to, to create regulations, particularly involving um, uh, the First and Second Amendment, free speech, and, and, um, and uh, uh, the right to bear arms. So I think we are moving in that direction. My and girls are here, so it's, and it's about working to get out. Wild. Yeah. Anyhow, um, we'll continue this conversation at another time. Um, next week we will be back and um, we'll we'll continue talking about this and hopefully we have a little bit you know more news and better news in regards to how things are um, going in this country in our election so until next time we will talk at you later <laughs>